what's going on everybody and welcome to our spoiler review of indiana jones and the dial of destiny that's right we're talking all spoilers for the movie so if you haven't seen it yet or you just don't want to be spoiled on the last indiana jones movie turn this video off because we're going to talk about everything that happened in harrison ford's final go as henry jones jr so james with that said by the way i'm john's james uh we're here Hello. to to just get into all of this uh just to kick things off james they didn't kill indiana jones so check first good thing that happened uh right. indy gets to sort of i don't say right off into the sunset but he gets to ride off into his recliner at home <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i think we all were pretty sure that he was not they were not going to kill off indy but yeah it was a little bit of a, a sigh of relief when they go down that route of um he makes it out of this one again yeah yeah it's it's an it's an important thing for an indiana jones movie which you know it's under the lucasfilm umbrella it's a cousin so to speak of star wars obviously both created by george lucas but indiana jones is pure pulpy adventure the hero always gets away and it always sort of has a happy ending and we all understand that now there's a lot of complexities and this movie has a ton of them mm -hmm. uh and again you know the movie's out now but I, I, the both of us haven't seen it a second time yet. Right. So we're going by our memories from being at the world premiere. So a thank you again to Lucasfilm for having invited TRB to the premiere. We had an amazing time and uh, we hope uh, everyone enjoyed our non-spoiler review. But now it's time to like really get into the meat and potatoes here. And I think the first thing we have to talk about, which we touched on a bit in our non-spoiler review, is the opening of the movie. We go back so this movie takes place in 1969, moon landing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, hippies, revolution, a lot going on, especially in the United States. Uh, but we're going back to start this movie. So we have a de-aged Harrison Ford and they're going back to 1944. So, you know, around the time, closer to the time of the original Indiana Jones trilogy. And we get a de-aged Harrison Ford and he and his friend are looking for this artifact and it's like this uh um dagger of sorts and it's him and toby jones who plays his friend basil and we learn later that is it the spear of destiny <laughs> the spear of destiny might as well be called the spear of destiny because we have the dial of destiny um but i believe the artifact that oh that's funny i didn't even put that together. they're looking for the lance of longinus longinus something like that i don't know but i meant is that is that supposed to be the the knife that cuts Jesus's side or whatever. I think believe so. Yeah. So that's the, yeah, the spirit of destiny. Yeah. Which is funny because it's, yeah, you're right. I the didn't even put that destiny. together. Dial of destiny. Yeah. So, um, I believe there's, you know, there's a lot of cat and mouse classic Indiana Jones between good guys, bad guys, him versus Nazis. And it's him and his friend Basil, who we learn later is the father of, uh, Phoebe Waller Bridges character, Helena who is Indiana Jones's goddaughter. So that's how that all connects. But in the beginning of the movie, we start with this um, big chase for this artifact that winds up maybe being a fake. And then we uh, pivot and learn that there's this other mysterious artifact that people have been wondering about and lingering. And that's your the Dial of Destiny, the Archimedes Dial, which mm -hmm. has what we're not sure exactly what it does or, or what's going on with it. But we know people are uh, coveting it and have been hiding it and all sorts of things but james overall in that first segment before we flash forward and see an older indiana jones uh ending his teaching career what was your overall thoughts on the opening sequence the the train and and the classic western sort of swashbuckling 
scene that took place uh, to set the tone of this movie with a de-aged Harrison Ford. I actually, I really didn't have too many problems with the way that this all opened. I thought it had a little bit of that suspension of disbelief at the moment when he's like being hung. I was like, you know, when he falls, his neck snaps, he's dead. That like, it's, yes. it's very yeah. rare ever that anybody would like survive that. And then kind of, it's not a suffocation thing. It's a, it's a fall thing. So I was, I was kind of, for me, in this moment where I'm like, why isn't he like, they pulled it. They can't you come up with something where he doesn't actually have the thing, like pull him down. You know, I think there's been a couple other movies that do that for this disbelief of like, Oh, any second he could pass out and be dead. But I'm like, that's not what kills you when somebody's being hung. Yeah. But it's an Indiana Jones movie. That's what I'm saying. But I, I I did wish that they could have done something different where he like gets out of that before the, they pull the chair out or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and then you got the bomb and everything, which again is like, it kind of calls back to the refrigerator of like, he's ex- surviving a crazy explosion when no one else does around him. Yep. Um, but other than that, like the only thing that pulled me out of that scene, um, would be the de-aging stuff because I think like most of the story of him going through with the bullet hole and uh, having to find his friend and, and, and realizing I love the way they played the, like, it's a fake, it's not the real one and all that, all of that was very Indiana Jones and it shows his uh, um, intelligence uh, in the moment. Like I really enjoyed all of that first segment and I felt like it was very Indiana Jones. They pulled that off Uh, other than maybe the de-aging was the one thing that you're kind of like, every time you see them, you're like looking for something. You're not enjoying the scene. You're kind of like looking to like self-analyze those uh, visual effects. I I agree. I I think, you know, again, you know, the de-aging, it's the best they could do for this time. And I'm sure that will improve over time. And then people may look back at this the way we look back at some of the effects from the earlier Indiana Jones movies that, you know, maybe aren't as good as they could do today. Um, But for this time, they did the best they could. Um, My only gripe, as I brought up in our non-spoiler review, is the voice definitely sounds like an old Indiana Jones. Uh, And Harrison Ford did his best to explain how they created this special effect and he actually mouthed the movements while they put that old archive footage over his face and they used motion capture they did a lot of things they did it great um i think maybe if they just lit him a little differently it would have been fine but a minor thing i still really enjoyed the scene and i liked seeing a young indiana jones doing indiana jones thing so i thought that was cool Mm -hmm. And then, and I, I thought it was important too because this movie has a lot to do with time. So not just showing Indiana Jones dealing with his time, but but sort of taking the audience back in time as well uh, was yes. kind of neat. Yeah, I like that too. So yeah, we're right, fully entrenched in 1944. Uh, the Nazis are still, you know, attempting world takeover, axis of evil, Allied liberation of Europe, all that stuff. And then we meet our villain, which is. Mads Mikkelsen. And and this is a bit different than what we've seen in some past Indiana Jones movies where you have someone who you think's an ally and they turn on your, you know, like a Walter Donovan in Last Crusade or whatever. It's pretty clear that uh, this Jurgen Voller is the villain, uh, Nazi sympathizer, astrophysicist, uh, does he, does he not work for NASA, um, uh, and, uh, revealing that he has located the Archimedes dial and the fissures it could create in time. And we start wondering, you know, why does he want this thing? 
And uh, later, as we flash forward to 1969, we understand that the reason behind that is because the Nazis lost, he wants to rewrite history and go back and say, let's try this again. Let's uh, which I I assume. Well, I mean, he's sort of like I think he he said he wanted to give this power to Hitler and and the powers that be. Right. He didn't have this big ulterior motive. But as Mm -hmm. the movie went on. Uh, his ultimate plan was revealed that he was going to go like kill Hitler and become the new Fuhrer, right. right? And I think that is something that over time he sort of changed because in the moment when he was probably looking for it initially, I mean, we do start right at the end of the war. Um, so maybe at that point he was already like, yo, like if if I could get that thing, then I know exactly what I'd do with that. But his plan really wasn't revealed until later that he was actually going to try to uh, fix the mistakes of the idiot who made them. You know? Right, exactly. And I, I felt once we went to the present time of 1969, you see, and it's in the trailer, you see like an older Indiana Jones and he's clearly just, it's, he's very humanized, you know, there's, there's plenty of moments where we see Indiana Jones being a normal citizen in the old trilogies, but usually he's highly admired and people are always, you know, wanting to be around him or, you know, learn from him. And now we see him sort of like almost like an Archie Bunker. Like he's he's yelling at the neighbors for the loud music and he's mm-hmm. sleeping on Get a, off my grass. Indiana yeah, he's Jones. sleeping on like a recliner chair and there might be beer cans next to him and stuff. And we see that he puts a magnet over Marion's picture, which is telling the audience without any sort of dialogue, like they are not together anymore. So we start wondering what happened. And then later we learn that his son, Mutt, uh, who was played by Shia LaBeouf in Crystal Skull, died in the Vietnam War. Um, so, you know, that puts stress on the relationship and they split up. So Indy has nobody now. And that, that that's where we find him here as the only thing he has left is his profession. And he's being forced into retirement from that. So Indy is at a point in his life where he's getting closer to the end of life, but right now he has no purpose that he can see in front of him. Yeah, so a couple things. I, like, I I go back to my initial review. I said this movie started and ended in places where I didn't expect. I did not expect for him to be in the process of separating from Marion. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did not expect him to be sort of put in this position where he feels like he's alone and they're really showcasing how old man he is. Um, and he's retiring and all that. I, I mean, I sort of get James Mangold's point listening to him now talk about like this story has to be about a man reconciling his life. Yeah. So when he looks back at what feels like it's all the, the bad things and how did, how did all of the things that I thought I was doing right lead to this, you sort of get to that end point where he goes, oh, all of the things I did right led to this the good things. And also if there are bad things, those bad things are okay. Right. Because this is my life. This is my journey. Um, but to start the movie in a way that sort of shocks the audience to say, Hey, you know, your hero, he's coming back for one more adventure. And then to immediately put him like in his boxers with a baseball bat banging on the door and stuff. And you're like, what is this? You know, this, that's not my Indiana Jones. Right. And you have to go on that journey, uh, throughout the movie. Yeah. And I like that because I mean, everyone, I mean, it's a fantastical movie, but everyone, you know, goes through those points in their life and, you know, you're not always going to be in your prime. And 
I like that this movie leaned on Indy's age from an emotional standpoint, a mental standpoint, and a physical standpoint, because there are a bunch of scenes in this movie. Uh, one in particular at the end, I remember where he's trying to climb this wall in one of those caves or caverns. And Helen is like, why aren't you moving? And he's like, I can't because he has like arthritis and, and right. all this stuff. And, and it's a funny moment, but it's also like, oh my God, you're watching your hero not be able to do the things he wants to do. But his will is still there. Like Indiana Jones still has the will to defeat evil. Uh, so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But back to the New York stuff. Uh, I thought that was the most chaotic part of the movie. Maybe that into the Tangier like auto rickshaw chase. I thought those were really chaotic and wild chase scenes because you have Indy on horseback going through the subways. Then you have him on that auto rickshaw. And there's a bunch of chases that happen in the middle of the movie there as we try to piece together. You know, who is this Helena person? Why is she important? And we get our Sala cameo and and all those sorts of things. But then when we get to them traveling overseas and they go to Tangier, uh, we start getting into the more adventure Indiana Jones stuff. And and I think the second half of the movie, I wound up liking better because it reminded me of an Indiana Jones movie more than the beginning. While at the same time, I, I did feel the beginning was important to set the tone of like, let's check in with where, where with where this guy is now and why he's where he is. And mm -hmm. I think they made good choices of how to do that quickly, swiftly. You know, again, the magnet over Marion's face, hearing word about him losing his son and about him enlisting and to prove, you know, prove himself and all, all that stuff. Uh, and I believe at one point when they were on the boat, was it to Greece? Yeah, again, you have to forgive us. We only saw this once and it was a couple of weeks ago. But he says something about his regrets and he would tell his son not to enlist, I believe is what he had said. That was one of the big impact moments for me because as a, as a somewhat sort of defender of Crystal Skulls, um, I like what they were doing with bringing in a son and how they revealed that it was actually his son and, yeah. and, and his mother was there. And, and you know, I, I liked all that dynamic. So I was really interested because I know most people didn't, how would they were going to handle that character and sort of in a way, like, I think they, probably did the right thing because if he was alive it would feel cheap to not have him show up mm -hmm. um so i think they probably did the right thing from a mass audience standpoint of killing off the character but i want to talk about you leaning over to me in the middle of the movie <laughs> um yeah. because you said at this point that's how the movie ends. I thought um, because we had learned at that point well well before this that the dial can change the course of time and and create fissures in time and we were thinking time travel and all that stuff and my thought was he's going to go back and fix something so that the end of the movie it, like his son will be alive he'll be with Marion again and that sort of thing. I was I was yeah. so certain that that's what was going to happen. And I so so yeah and I was I was totally buying that and I was thinking about it after the fact and sort of a little bit during like how are they going to lead to that? How is that going to be the end? How are we going to get there? And it would be that thing where it's like the portal and then the portal, you know, you turn the dial or something and it turns it to the time. And then he's able to like walk through or pull mutt out world of worlds style mm -hmm. or something. And I was like, I was like, is this going to make people mad that like, it feels cheap that we didn't, that we were able to just fix history in that way because 
that's not the way real life is. That's not what heroes do. They 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 face what is their reality and not just find something that just fixes everything for them. Yeah. Um, and I I'm kind of glad that they did go that route because, and I'm skipping to the end, he doesn't. Uh, he does go through the portal, and we'll talk about that. But he doesn't actually um, like rewrite history, and and when he wakes up, like he's uh, sort of like hot tub time machine. Yeah, like back to oh, the all of a sudden now everything's yeah. fine. Back to the future. Yeah, everything's fine. We fixed it because we did the the thing. That I'm glad they did. Course correct. Think about it. Because people would have been like, oh, that's the end of Back to the Future. All of a sudden, George McFly is successful. The mom is happy. You know, Biff is 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 yes. not his boss. This, all, you know, all that stuff. This, to me, feels more, and, and for people that are not Star Wars fans, I apologize, but this feels uh, more Ezra not going in and talking to his parents and turning on Palpatine and saying, I'm not doing right. that. Yeah. Right. Even, yeah. even though to be fair, Indy sort of says I am doing it. That's exactly what I'm doing. And he needs to be straightened out and rescued. I'm, I'm fine with that. I, you know, I, I know he's in that moment, he's delusional and he needs saving, but I feel at the end of the movie, he wasn't mad at, um, Helena. He was, he was sort of grateful that she snapped him out of it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, too. And there's been plenty of times where Indy had to be saved by somebody else in the, this these series of films. Uh, I mean, look, when Junior, was, let it go. Yeah, you know, like exactly. He's, he's, Indiana, he's trying to reach for it, too. Indiana, let it go. Uh, short round, you know, burning him to, to get the voodoo curse off of him. Uh, yeah. You know, Marion bailed him out a couple times, too, as he's fighting. Uh, with the plane circling. So there's been plenty of times where Indy's been saved. So I know there's going to be haters who are like, oh, Indy had to be saved by a woman or something. It's like, look at the movies closely again. Like that stuff happens. And this is his goddaughter and anyone would do the same thing. So I know there's going to be issues with the time travel thing. But in my opinion, every Indiana Jones movie is superbly fantastical. Keep your eyes shut, Marion, as these spirits come out of this thing and, and pierce laser beams like proton packs through the right. chests of Nazis and melting faces and the grail healing wounds and the immortality of the night voodoo, a kid stabbing a doll to hurt Indiana Jones. It's all fantastical. Uh, alien skulls, like who, who knows? You know, <laughs> like there's so many do you, things. That do you it, agree with me, though, that this is the most fantastical? It went the furthest, I think. It's it's hard to say because like seeing a knight who's 700 years old living in a tomb is ridiculous. It's all the same. Uh, so I think it's all ridiculous. Um, and I love it. I, I love all of it. So I don't have any problem with that. I do... I, I don't know if you remember this. There was one part of the movie where I was like, this is classic Indiana Jones right here. When he realizes that the piece they were looking for was in the wax and he melts it. Was that after the whole uh, Antonio Banderas thing? Was that like the yes. final thing they needed to know where to go to find the tomb? Was that what that was? Yes. So okay. they went down, they got the thing, they went back up to the boat and some of the people were already dead. They were captured. But once they lit the um the firework or flare and yeah. they escaped that's when they were on their own individual boat and they they redirected to a different place yeah. after they had like solved it and i thought I, I wanted to point that out too so many times in this movie i kept thinking to myself i find it so frustrating that indiana jones at this point 
he yes he's stuck in a, a corner like he's backed into a corner but he's just helping the villain at this point like they're solving it together but then i sort of realized he's always done that yeah. when you're in the predicament where you're like well there's only one way to go because if i don't go he's gonna shoot me all right fine we'll 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 help him open it up but you know once it's open you know or whatever the situation well, is like yes. don't go through there but let's, and then the villain goes through there and he's like i know i helped you open it but let's not forget that uh helena did a incorrect translation for them and sent them on a different course they wound up still finding them but i think a part of that was her trying to you know translating it acting though that she was self-serving so she didn't care and sort of the wink wink type of thing where she like sent them on a different path and yeah. they were able to get there first at least and that's when like it's it's the end of the movie but something about indiana jones in some weird cavernous cave type of place uh like finding uh booby traps and how to get in into certain secret passages is like some of my favorite stuff and i'm glad they finally did it and we saw it towards the end of the movie and it was that that same scene where he's having trouble climbing and all that sort of stuff so i think it was so smart of mangold spielberg everyone who's involved with doing this movie to lean on indy's age we're still getting his mind which is fully sound he knows maybe more than he ever did he's probably smarter than he was when he accidentally stepped on the wrong bricks trying to spell jehovah in last crusade he's a mm -hmm. smarter wiser man but his body now has given up on him so it was sort of like that pendulum swing not to say that he wasn't always very smart he was a professor and he always figured everything out but now he seems to be even smarter with all his life experiences yeah so, he's gained wisdom before he had knowledge but he has also gained wisdom I like, yeah perfectly put and when you know the f floor drops out and he knows like the ballast we need ballast like that i'm like that is we're watching a classic indiana jones scene here and it's him and helena and it works and it, it was it was um, suspenseful and fun, but it was also sort of this odd breather because we knew there was some the, the climax and the finality of the movie was coming and we weren't sure how it was going to go down. And then the Nazis find them again. And then we go through the entire massive final scene where it's this plane and they're flying towards this fissure in time and Indy is shot. And uh, you, you and I, like, I think everyone in the audience start wondering, like, they're not going to kill Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. Even though I was like 99.9% .9 sure they weren't going to do that, I was still a little worried. I was a little That's worried. That's one of those things like after the fact, you're like, there's no real reason for him to be shot here, but it's for your first watch. Yeah. Because <laughs> your first watch of the movie, you go, they're shooting him because they want me to think he's going to die in this movie. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't really move the story along. There isn't a point where they have to like go find you know, some way to fix it or something. Mm -hmm. it, I think it was just really there for it to suspend the audience um, in, a, in a state where they're like, I don't know how this is going to go. Right. And and I, th I, I enjoy the fact that as crazy as it is, uh, you know, because of the continental drift, like that was a smart little plot device, like they miscalculated because of the continental drift and all that stuff. I was like, oh, that's pretty clever, actually. And then they find themselves in like 200 BC, 212 BC during the siege of Syracuse. And they're getting like these, these, uh, like anti, whatever these arrows are being slung right. up and, and just shattering parts of the plane. And then the Nazis, trying to take out the dragon and all that The dragon. Yeah. And the Nazis, do you, uh, did you perished. like, did you like this? Because I'm, I'm still sort of sitting on it. Like this is this weird plot hole 
where like the dial of destiny gets invented because Archimedes got it from Indiana Jones, but because he got it from Indiana, it's like well, this, this circular thing. That's, they did that with the badges on his grave and all that. Like, how yeah. did this exist on his grave? Yeah. And they that, ha- it was because they had already traveled back. So there's like a loop happening. So and I, don't, I don't think so because there were two dials. He still had his dial that he was building. And then they had the one that they got there with, which is the same dial, but it was brought back in time. Now, the only thing I could think of is the watch. Uh, that obviously we, we were seeing the changing course of history and there is proof of that loop there, which is sort of the same as Kyle Reese impregnates Sarah Connor right. to make John Connor who sends Kyle Reese back to save Sarah Connor. A, and you just I have, have to just feeling, be like, all right, that's okay. I have a feeling like what you're right, that the main story of like Harrison Ford didn't stay. So he left, uh, they all left. So they didn't create a permanent loop. But for anybody interested in the permanent loop theories and would like to take that path, like explaining the large dragon in the sky and the watch and a couple other things that like because those things did exist, they did change the destiny of the reality that they were currently in, which, you know, changed his gravesite and changed what he was wearing in his tomb. Right. Yeah. And there is something about uh, again, I'll say I really liked Mads Mikkelsen's villain, and I think I still I, did too. I still think he's the best and f- most formidable and threatening indie villain since um, Belloc, maybe even more than Belloc. And I think I think he Art. is definitively the best villain. Yeah, because all of the other ones felt to me like they're like. I have lots of money, so I'm going to do the wrong thing. Yeah, you know, or, or something or, like that, or like sympathizers of the Nazis and and like I, I never felt threatened by Belloc. He was sort of like this rival and like this the the bad version of Indiana Jones and and Donovan was this wealthy guy who was a collector who just was also a Nazi sympathizer who just wanted eternal life. There were selfish reasons. And then you have this guy who believes in the cause so much that he's like, I know Hitler failed. Let me kill him and I'll do it right and I'll be the new right. Hitler. There's right. this madness and this evil world domination that's there that I don't know that we've seen that side of the Nazis in Indiana Jones. I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant to like say this because I'm not I haven't watched him so many times that I know him in and out like the villains motivations and stuff. We haven't discussed him, but I did always feel like most of those villains were like they wanted immortality because come on, it's immortality. This guy would have wanted immortality so that his plan would never fall apart. He would yeah. always be able to lead his people or, or his goals for the rest of eternity. It, like he had a purpose to want the immortality kind of thing. He wanted right. that fantastical thing to, to as a tool to help his ultimate plan, not just because he wants the gold right. or something, whatever right. it is. So I'm like, yo, I get this. I get this villain. And I think this might be the best indie villain. Yeah. And it's a great performance by a great actor and any, in these types of movies, uh, especially Indiana Jones, I, I really always feel like when I look at like, you know, my rankings of Indiana Jones movies, I always feel like it's based on the movie itself, but the movie itself is built up by the strength of the villains. And I didn't love the villain, the the Russian villain by Kate Blanchett in Crystal Skull. I think that hurt mm-hmm. the movie a bit. I, I don't even remember like what her major like, like motive was. And um, uh, in Temple of Doom, I, 
I whatever. Like Indy got himself in that situation. This wasn't like the fate of the world is in the hands of, you know, and which is fine. Not every movie has to be that way because it's a pulpy serial type of movie. But then I look at the Nazis, the Nazi trilogy of Indiana Jones, Raiders, Last Crusade, and now this one. And I mm-hmm. put those villains against each other. Belloc was sort of like, again, the anti-Indy, uh, certainly working with the Nazis, dangerous. So he's like my number two villain. And Donovan was just this wealthy guy who wanted to be immortal. And he was, for selfish reasons, he said, if the Nazis want to take over the world, they're more than welcome to. He was sort of like, I'm just here for me. And then you have this guy who's like, we're going to do it again. And we're going to make sure we take over the world this time. So if I'm not mistaken, the the villain in four, her ultimate goal was that she wanted to increase her ability to use psychic powers so that she could read the minds of the enemies and be able to plan (laughs) like and know where they were going to go so that they could easily conquer them. However, the thing that I think does her in in the end is not that she was like gifted that and it's not what she wanted. It's that the thing offered ultimate knowledge and she was just like, oh, I mean, I guess you could consider that sort of the same thing. She wanted to know where the enemies were. But I think that the alien offered her all knowledge that they knew and her mind couldn't, couldn't hold it. Yeah. So she was right. like, oh, oh, I'll I'll take more than what I was going for. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it like overwhelmed her. Yeah. It's it's the the water balloon just bursting when you fill it up too much or whatever. But yeah. um I do like that this they didn't do anything of like ignoring the quote unquote bad Indiana Jones movie. Obviously they talked about Mutt, his son, and they incorporated that into the story and that has a massive impact on Indy. Um, still dead at the end of the movie, still dead at the end of the movie. Fine. Uh, Marion comes back at the end. Um, and we sort of get a nice, which, which this movie did nicely, a nice reference to Raiders and that, uh, romantic scene where Indy talks about all the spots that he's hurting Mm -hmm. and they replicate that. And they have this nice last kiss and embrace of getting back together. And, uh, so I, I, I think they did a good job of handling references and stuff. Again, there's a couple of Star Wars references in there. They have 1977 on the map. I noticed that. And in my second and third rewatches, I'm sure I'll try to find some more. But in terms of how this movie laid itself out, I, I thought it was really, really enjoyable and really good. And I want to see it again because I have a feeling I'll like it more uh, because I can watch it at a slower pace where I'm not I'm knowing what's happening. So I could enjoy each scene and look around a bit more. And I think that will serve the movie better because I think the beginning and first and second act of the movie, there are some downtimes, but there's a lot of chaos and a lot of chase scenes and a lot of movement where you need to watch this thing again. And I look forward to to doing that. But seeing your hero sort of at this crossroads in life, maybe towards the end of his life, maybe he has some regrets and putting that hat on one more time to go on adventure to not only um, make a you know live up to a promise he he kept to his friend, uh, but also you know protecting his goddaughter and ultimately refinding himself. And you know it's one of those things like it's never too late type of things. And it has a a nice a good happy ending, which a lot of people have been not seeing as much. Maybe they feel like with some of the Star Wars movies. Uh, and it it definitely gives you that good feeling when the movie ended. I felt good. I felt happy. I felt happy for Indy and Marion that they were together at the end. And it wasn't one of those like bittersweet, sad things because it had to be like Logan. You know, they killed Wolverine yeah. and Logan. So, so, so like the, the comparison there would be like if uh, Han and Leia ended up together, but Kylo Ren was dead. You know, yeah. it's like you got to deal with that. But 
things happen and we're moving on. We'll move on together instead of more like Kylo Ren sur- survives them. And That's, yeah, we lost know. our son. I mean, yeah, yeah, you could, you could make that, that connection. I know, you know, some people are very protective over that character, but um, overall, you, you know, your thoughts on the movie, uh, I'm, I'm sure like me, you probably need to see it again to, to fully grasp everything, but um, you overall, you still looking back, you, uh, you enjoyed this one. Yeah, I did. And I, I'm I'm looking, I, I want to get into more like, did I like X character? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what how was Helena in comparison to other like sidekicks throughout the movies, you know, or or maybe even like the the love interest or female or character the kid. that always like the kid, Teddy. Teddy. Yeah, Teddy. Uh like I think while like I think that is obviously supposed to represent like a short round sort of replacement or or a character where you have a young child who is also very capable and very, very smart capable. and is yeah. able to do what he needs to do. Um, this was interesting because it wasn't somebody that Indy was friends with like short round, but somebody who was um, sort of brought into the group through the person. And so he didn't really have that relationship with him. Uh, which then led to a couple other things too, where like he sort of like questioned Helena and all this. And like, so he was like, well, what if I go over here? What if I do this thing? And he ends up getting kidnapped, but not for the sake of like, it's a child. um, Because I think whether it was an adult or not, (laughs) those villains, those henchmen would have been able to take that person. Exactly, yeah. So, and then obviously when you get to the end, there's the scene where the henchman falls and they both fall underwater and they have that whole fight scene. I'm like, this is a crazy shot scene. And the way uh, Teddy handles the villain by, you know, making it through the gate, the keys locking Locking him up and getting out of there. Are you kidding me? I was like brutal for everyone's nightmare. Yeah. That being said though, I think one of the biggest things that I didn't really realize this, my sister-in-law asked me, you know, she saw the movie and we have a lot of kids in the family. She goes, is this appropriate for everybody to watch? And I was like, probably the most appropriate of all of them. I think. Hmm. Like as far as like there's face, face melting off and other ones and stuff like I think probably the worst thing that happens in this movie is likely people are shot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's the most like violent, like visually gory thing. There, there isn't anybody that's like exploding from their internal whatever, you know. Oh, like Last um, Crusade, he he just like turns into this like skeleton. That's scary for kids. This right? Yeah, yeah, just like the wind blowing and it r- yeah. rips like his whole body apart and stuff. And I'm like, I, there, would... I don't really feel like there's a scene in this movie where I'm like, okay, you got to close your eyes or don't watch this part. It's gonna yeah. scare you. I think kids could it's see this. pretty yeah. family friendly yeah. all the way through. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I I would have no issue having kids uh see this movie. And it's you know we we are living in just wild times and there are people trying to bring back the Nazis today and I think that type of thing will also hit home seeing Indiana Jones fighting Nazis once again because this movie is sort of in that way that metaphor of like we're trying to you know restore the order of uh you know fascism and nazism and uh not on Indiana Jones's watch um Speaking of watches again, yeah, I was going to say actually, Archimedes has his watch. Arch- Arch- yeah, yeah, yeah. Archimedes has the watch now. 
Um, but yeah, overall, uh, really great. I thought Harrison Ford brought it uh, for, I think they filmed this when he was 77 or 78. I can't imagine doing half the things he did because I know he actually did get on horseback and, you know, he gets lost in that parade that's celebrating the moon landing and which reminded me of actually Fugitive when he enters the Chicago St. Paddy's Day parade to evade uh, the FBI. So we get to see him do that and we see him re- reunite with Sala briefly. And we had that funny moment where he's like, give him hell, Indiana Jones from the trailer. You're like this big epic moment. And Indiana Jones almost gets hit by a car by right stopping, you know? Right. It's just uh, overall, I really, really enjoyed the movie. And I don't know where I'm going to rank it fully. I'm nestling it definitely under Raiders and Last Crusade. Uh, might, I might even tie it with Temple of Doom. And uh, Crystal Skull is my least favorite, but I still enjoy Crystal Skull as well. So all five Indiana Jones, I think, can sit on a shelf or on your digital library as a nice little series of films proudly. And I think uh, I think Mangle did a good job. And I'll tell you right now, after watching how like good the movie looked, and knowing he wants to go biblical and we saw like, you know, we saw the 212 BC version of a Mangold movie in this. I'm really excited to see this biblical Finding of the Force Mangold movie now and what mm-hmm. he can bring to the table with no restrictions on story. So I overall as a fan of these films and what George Lucas created, I thought this was a great entry and nice ending to the Indiana Jones uh, franchise. Yeah, it's interesting now to listen to a few of Mangold's interviews that he's done about this movie as he said um you know that he didn't want to do the movie unless this could happen or that could happen and stuff and i am looking at those things now having seen it and go yeah that makes sense like yeah. if you didn't do certain elements of this movie including um making about making it about his old age uh, is one of one of his big things yeah. um yeah that I, I don't think the movie would have come off even as well as it did. I am interested to see what, you know, what that reception is like when somebody really likes the last Jedi and then they find out that, you know, so many other people don't. Um, I'm interested to see what the things are that people don't like about this movie. I imagine probably the big one being it goes off the rails in the third act and like he didn't need to go through the time and all that. And I sort of felt that way, but it's hard for me to imagine, you know, as a person who's not as capable as James Mangold, like what I would have done differently to like pull that back and accepting it for what it is i go i really like where he ended up despite the fact that you know he goes into that world and had those complications in that moment yeah um it's crazy but when you get out of that crazy moment and you return to the real world and go okay i've been on some adventures uh some of them crazier than others it's totally acceptable to think that this was one of the crazy mission, crazy things. We don't know that it's not the craziest thing he's ever done. Right. And he says in the he movie, may have done something off camera in another adventure where he like, you know, <laughs> did something even wilder. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of Indiana Jones is he still, you know, believes in fact and science and, and all that stuff. And he's witnessed these wild, crazy things. And in this movie, he says, I've seen, uh, I don't believe in magic, but I've seen things in my life that I can't explain. 
and he still has that fight like that struggle within him so every time he encounters something he's like what is the how has how is the, what is the explanation for this um but you know what dude i like that they took that big swing at the end because i'll tell you right now it's i don't want to say it's a lose-lose for fans who were just trying not to like it um because there were fans like we had videos where people started commenting like clearly they had never seen the movie they're like it sucks i'm like why and they're like this happens and i said that doesn't happen in the movie actually you i don't know where you got that from but my point is if they played it safe and just had him going for an artifact like the uh dagger of destiny yeah the spear spear of destiny. the spear of the spear of destiny <laughs> Uh, against the nazis it's like okay another christian artifact where it's a race against time this sounds familiar yes raiders of the lost ark and last crusade people would have said like oh it's force the force awakens of indiana jones movies they just redid raiders of the lost ark yeah so in this one they're gonna find mangled people are gonna find things to complain i'm going big we're doing time fissures we're doing that and people are gonna be like that's ridiculous in an Indiana Jones movie. I'm like, no, it's not. If you're going to ever do it, Indiana Jones movie is exactly where you'd want to do that. So yeah. I'm glad they chose the big swing versus the safe. We've been there, done that thing. Mm-hmm. And I liked, I'm okay it, with it. I liked that it had a happy ending. And I, again, I thought Harrison Ford brought it. And when you think about who put this movie together, it's all the same people. Uh, writers always changed on Indiana Jones movies. There was different writers for each movie for the screenwriting, you know, George Lucas created the characters, created the original story, but then you have him and Spielberg were executive producers. Spielberg was actively involved in the creation of the movie. You have John Williams doing the score. You have Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy producing uh, with partnership with Paramount. All the same people are involved in the making of this movie. So uh, I don't like the lazy, uh, well, Disney's going to ruin Indiana Jones. I'm like, no, it's just, that's just the studio putting it out. These are the same people making this movie. And you have James Mangold. Maybe you like Spielberg better as a director. He's the greatest director of all time. James Mangold is a great director, and I thought he shot a great movie. So mm-hmm. I, I was pleased with it. I'm curious how I'm going to feel seeing it again, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, because, again, we did a spoiler review here after watching the movie one time. When was it, James? Two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, almost to the day. I think actually to the day, two weeks ago. Um, so uh, anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. Other than just like everybody else, like let us know in the comments, like things we missed, things that you liked, things that you didn't like, whatever, whatever you want to talk about this movie, like keep them in the comments. And um, did you like the de-aging stuff? Because that was one of my bigger you know, critiques with the voice and that sort of thing. I'm curious what people mm-hmm. thought about that, because mm-hmm. I know they did the best they could. But I think the voice thing, they probably could have done better. But again, that's just a nitpick. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's that's what I got. That's uh, our spoiler review, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, everybody, for checking this out. Whether you're listening or watching, make sure you subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash at the resistance broadcast and subscribe on your preferred audio podcast apps, whether that's Spotify, Apple, wherever. Uh, we really appreciate you checking this out with us. Obviously, we uh, mainly do Star Wars, but we had a really good time uh, doing the seeing the movie, going to the premiere. So thank you to uh, Lucasfilm for allowing us to check this movie out early. And we were able to do our non-spoiler review and now this spoiler review. So, But like James said, let us know what you think. If you dig our spoiler review, share it with a friend. And uh, that's it from us here. So until next time, from us here at the Resistance Broadcast, we'll see you around, kids. <laughs>